You're listening to Hoosier Football Tailgate on the Believe Network. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hoosier Football Tailgate is sponsored by Bet Online. Bet Online is where the game starts. Hello and welcome to Hoosier Football Tailgate here on the Believe Network. Many happy Thanksgiving to all in one as we get ready here for the Indiana Hoosiers and the Purdue Boilermakers in the annual bucket game tomorrow afternoon at 12 o'clock. Kickoff, we found on the Big Ten Network. Once again, we are Happy to say that we are sponsored here at Hoosier Football Tailgate by Bet Online. Bet Online is is one of the top wagering sports wagering platforms out there with the holiday seasons off and rolling, NFL full in stride, as well as the NBA, NHL, and college basketball still uh, hitting their season form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all things sports wagering up to minute sports wagering news odds trends predictions bet online is the top spot for everything from pro to amateur sports bet online is where the game starts and once again thank you for joining us here this evening on a live version of who's your football tailgate I am the coach Shannon Griffith, and please bear with me I've been battling the COVID bug once again had uh Came down with it on Monday, and it's prevented me from doing the Indiana State Championships down in Indianapolis this weekend, and was unable to get you a Michigan State recap uh, due to Mr. COVID joining me here over the Thanksgiving holiday, but we're beyond some of that now and able to get in front of you without sounding too bad, I hope, and uh, talked a little bit about these Purdue Boilermakers and Indiana that uh, is coming up here on Saturday in West Lafayette in a game that matches two teams very similar in very similar places with the exception that Indiana uh, head coach Tom Allen is there. Been there now beyond uh, seventh season, I believe, for Tom. And then, of course, Walters is now in his first season there at Purdue. And uh, – both sides of the coin, they've had their frustrations this year as it pertain, pertains to the win-loss column as both teams have struggled to find uh, the number of wins that they probably had hoped to find prior to the season beginning. But uh, Purdue, after losing Jeff Brom to Louisville in this offseason, hired Ryan Walters, the former defensive coordinator at Illinois, to come in and take over for Jeff Brom. And Right now, it's his honeymoon, honeymoon, honeymoon season. As you know, he's just now trying to get uh, his bearings in front of him in terms of being the first-time head coach and get everything aligned to what he'd like it to be there in West Lafayette. I think they've had some bright spots through the season this past year, and uh, but being that this is his first bucket game in Indiana coming in having lost the last two, I believe it's imperative that Indiana start this game off on a good note, uh, strong on Saturday uh, there in West Lafayette. And I would give a little bit of edge to Indiana in this game, just from the standpoint of, I think Indiana offensively has gotten better. 
um, and improved throughout the last four or five weeks. I don't necessarily think Purdue has got anything uh, overly bad. I don't necessarily think that they're healthy in a lot of ways. I know um, they're, they're batting some injury, bug, injury bugs in some key positions right now, and a lot of statuses won't be known until Saturday's availability report comes out um, to determine on who may or may not be eligible to play on Saturday. But rivalry week in the Big Ten this weekend after, you know, the holidays here. Of course, the big one up in Michigan with uh, – um, <clears throat> Michigan taken on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Of course, we all know all the controversy that has surrounded the Michigan Wolverines here over the last couple of weeks. We reported on it and talked about it last week about Jim Harbaugh now serving his final game suspension uh, for the sign-stealing uh, situation there in Ann Arbor. And the Big Ten have kind of closed that chapter and now letting the NCAA move forward on whatever path they choose to go. Iowa, on the other hand, playing Nebraska this afternoon, was leading at one point. Not quite sure what the final ended up being with that one. But Iowa is the conference champ of the West Division and will take on the winner of the Michigan-Ohio State game uh, next week down in Indianapolis uh, to determine who is the overall Big Ten championship and for the most part, click their ticket into the college football playoff. We'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the season conclusion on what may all have transpired with college football playoffs, how this may or may not be the year uh, the Big Ten may get two teams into the college football playoffs. We will also discuss a little bit of Indiana uh, on where they go from here as it pertains after this game on Saturday and a nice win would be a great way to go into the offseason and, uh, get themselves to that fourth win of the season as we move forward. Now, one thing that I thought was interesting before we start jumping in here on some of this uh, information here about Purdue, and I was kind of going through the game notes this week and looking at it uh, from a different, you know, a lot of different perspectives uh, per se. Um, but I found something that was interesting. Five seasons, uh, the first five seasons of the Indiana head coach is overall uh, win totals. Bill Mallory, after five, his first five seasons in Indiana, he had 26. Tom Allen is tied as well with Bill Mallory at 26 after the first five seasons in Bloomington. I thought that to be a little bit interesting. And, and of course, Allen had those two back-to-back uh, -back years where Indiana was ranked and playing well and played in two uh, major bowl games uh, prior to the last few years here where it's kind of got away from them uh, a little bit. And now we find ourselves in a situation where other than playing four, the bucket on Saturday. That's all these two teams have left. There's no uh, opportunities to play in a bowl game. This is by their default, their bowl game. It is a very important uh, facet of both of these two teams is tradition and history. And uh, it's very well uh, known as a, about this game as it pertains to both sides of the coin. Uh, Purdue having won the last two in a row um, 
bucket games and Indiana um, right now would be nice to put the the IU back on the chain and take away the bucket from the boilers heading into this off season. You know, when you look at this ball game, a couple things that we're going to try to do tonight here is one, again, we'll go through some statistical uh, data looking at both sides of the uh, offense and defensive uh, productivity of both these teams. Talk a little bit about some players that may have an impact on them uh, on this game as well. Get into the, into uh, Coach Griff's film room and look at Purdue's last game against Northwestern and, um, you know, talk a little bit here at the end about what I think it's going to take for Indiana to get a win on on Saturday. You know, the biggest thing for Indiana is again coming to the coming to the game prepared to win um, after two very frustrating losses here in back to back weeks and overtime loss in in uh, Champaign, Illinois to Illinois, and then of course last week's loss to uh, Michigan State, where some. Bad habits appeared again in terms of um, players going down the field wide open. And then again, if that happens to Indiana on Saturday, I guarantee it, Graham Harrell's offense will exploit it to its nth degree. And that's one thing that Indiana will have to be definitely guarding against. Facing an offensive quarter like Graham Harrell now, he hasn't really came in and overly um, wowed the Big Ten with his offensive mastery, but he will only get better, as I do believe he is a very good offensive play caller. He's got one thing that Purdue doing quite well that Purdue hasn't done very well in the last five or six years under Jeff Brahms, that's running the football. And I think they're right now fourth in the Big Ten in their rush offense, averaging about 170 yards a game, which has, you know, really aided Purdue in a lot of ways um, uh, through the course of the season. Um, but you would have never would have thought that a team that struggled to run the ball as much as they have in the past under Jeff Brom would have that much success this year under Graham Harold, being that his first season here at, at Purdue. But when you look at some of the things here and let's see if we can get over to some of these statistical breakdowns, uh, Right now with um, offense and defense um, right now, offensively, you know, Indiana, again, only averaging 21.4 points a game, produced defense given about 30 a game. Rush offense where IU has, you know, for the most part improved as the year gone on, only still well under where they need to be, 120 yards a game. Um Purdue's defense, I believe, has given up 170 yards, about 170 yards a game, 168 in that regard um, on the year. Um, yeah, 168.3 yards of rush defense. Ironically, the same amount of yards their offense is averaging rushing the football. Uh, passing game, IU, 211 yards, still only have thrown seven interceptions. Uh, I believe Soresby has, has really grown and matured over the last four or five weeks. If, is his <clears throat> progression as the redshirt freshman, you know, only starting a, you know, not even a, a half dozen of ball games at the big, big 10 level yet. But I do believe while last week wasn't maybe his best game, I did think as the game progressed Saturday, he really took better command of it. And again, uh, managed the game well, made some key throws at key components, but also added the, uh, you know, uh, the ability to run the football 
um, that Rod Carey had schemed into that into that ball game, and I do believe that uh, Sorsby does have to be that efficient runner as a part of IU's offense. Uh, you know, with Henderson and Hallwell also doing quite well last Saturday against Michigan State, but 211 yards passing, uh, Purdue given about 250. They've only, they've also uh, garnered seven interceptions on the year. IU averaging about 330 yards. Um, Purdue giving right under 400 yards a game. And then um, IU, as it pertains to third and fourth down conversion rates, about four, almost 40%, seventh in the Big Ten, where uh, Purdue's defense on third down, forty-three, about 42.9%, They're 12th overall in the Big Ten, and 50% on fourth down efficiency for them. Again, both teams, when it comes to the turnover margin department, IU right now on the year, minus two, and um, – Purdue setting at a minus three. So both teams haven't done great in creating the takeaways on the year. I know Purdue has had a, um, you know, a predisposition this year to put the ball in the turf quite a bit uh, this year. Um, again, and against Northwestern, I think they, they fumbled at least three times that I know of. So they have turned the ball over quite a bit. <clears throat> on the year as an offense. Now, when you switch over and watch their uh, offense versus Purdue, uh, Indiana's defense right now, I use almost giving up 30 points a game, Purdue scoring about 23. You see where the rush margins is there. Total offense, 376, which garners them fifth in the Big Ten. And then Indiana's uh, defense, 387.8. Third down efficiency categories, fourth down efficiency categories. Uh, IU is seventh in both categories overall in the Big Ten. Purdue, 36% on third down. Fourth down, they're 37.3%. So, um not great, not terrible, you know, somewhere right there in the middle uh, uh, when you look at it uh, from that perspective and um, looking at some of their players here now <clears throat> that they have <clears throat> that are having pretty good years this year. The Hudson card kid from transfer from Texas, he's a redshirt junior. Now he was injured and did not play last week against Northwestern, but he's thrown for over 2000 yards on the year, completing almost 60% thrown eight picks, 12 touchdowns done, done, done halfway decently. But like I said, he was hurt last week and did not play against Purdue uh, or excuse me, against Northwestern in, in their, game last week the other kid that's done the running back their two-headed monster you know tyrone tracy and devin <coughs> mccoby both of these kids good side solid size kids six one six foot both 200 pounders uh about 1400 yards between the both of them uh one is fifth in the big 10 in rush yards the other is seventh in the big 10 with devin being the one that's fifth and still having a you know a, a strong career who's you know he's kind of came out of nowhere and done great things there and then the tracy kid as well uh having a decent year as well in their in their wide receiving crew, Devon Burks, 5'11", 195 pounder, 542 yards reception, seven touchdowns on the year. The tight end Miller, who's predominantly two TDs. Again, he's going to be a bigger threat as they get closer into the red zone. Offensively, I just don't see the um, number of 
uh, threats that Purdue has usually thrown at you on the exterior uh, outside, uh, you know, that they have in the past. Um, Not to say that they don't have talented kids. It's just I don't think they're at the level that they have been accustomed to be over the previous years. Burks being the one that, you know, kind of stands out the most right now. Um, Good, solid receiver. Um, You know, 40 receptions on the year. I'd say he's the guy that the quarterbacks primarily target. for Purdue, um, I know uh, Card has been, you know, one that has kind of targeted him for the most part. And then when you flip over to defense, um, Kane and uh, Feynman, both of these kids are really, really good football players, even though they're both defensive backs, you know, 98 and 76 total tackles. Well, that could be a good news and bad news when you think about it, um, that your two DBs are the two big tacklers on your team, meaning that uh, a lot of running backs are getting to that second and third level when you, when you think about it. Um, but um, fourth and 12th respectively in the big 10. And then uh, Dylan, fourth and over four picks on the year, sixth in the big 10 in that category. So a very, very good defensive kid that IU in the, in terms when they get ready to throw the football, Sorsby's going to have to be very aware of him and making sure that he's doing everything he can to throw him off and not overly stare down receivers and such, you know, uh, Macaulay's now drawing a lot more of attention towards himself. Um, you know, EJ Williams, I think is, you know, again, I still think he's a very underappreciated receiver in terms of what he brings to the table. Jalen Lucas, I still think is bound to have a breakout game again. Now that, you know, some of the attention is drawn away from him based upon uh, Devin's uh, uptick in terms of his ability on the outside, because I do think uh, Macaulay and uh, Williams are two big targeted kids that IU still needs to find ways to get both the ball uh, into those kids' hands as much as possible in the passing game and using Jalen in many different ways to put the ball in his hands. But uh, uh, Dylan uh, Feynman kid is is a kid that can uh, make a lot of plays, and he has this year uh, for Purdue. And their sex secondary as has this cane kid. Then when you look at up front, defensively speaking, uh, scouting and, and, and Jenkins, both these kids outside linebackers, um, Illinois, I believe predominantly is listed as a uh, three, four type of defense, but these two kids, uh, <laughs> each, uh, one, two in the Big Ten in terms of sacks on the year. Um, so this is where they've gotten their pressure from and caused some havoc for de- offensive uh, people passing the football because these two guys uh, can really get after it on the outside and done so, done so this year in a very good way. Um, but defensively, uh, under first-year head coach Ryan Walters, who his background is in defensive football. Um, You know, they've been okay, um, have been susceptible to give up big plays, um, very similar to IU in that regard. Um, But I don't think they're as good a defense that Purdue 
has had on the previous two years in the bucket game uh, that IU will play this Saturday. Um, but again, we'll wait and see what the total verdict is when they draw between the white lines on Saturday afternoon uh, there in West Lafayette. Let's um, head on over here to the uh, coach's room and take a little look of Northwestern game from last week. Um, again, Northwestern had a lot of big plays down the field. Some nice throws were made. <clears throat> Good pass protection. Uh, again, Northwestern's a team that had a lot of controversy in at the beginning of the year um, as it pertains to uh, Coach Fitz and all the different uh, allegations of uh, with the team in terms of hazing and such. Uh, their new coaching staff stepped right up in and has done a great job and removed the interim tag this past week. But, you know, here's some big days. Do a good job pass protecting here, keeping guys in, getting a throw down the field over the top um, to get, you know, some big plays here on last Saturday up in Evanston. And, you know, Northwestern's a team that's bowl eligible this year. Here's a game, you know, inside zone type of concept here. Um, Purdue. Kind of playing a little bit like Illinois will play at times. Um, can't really tell here if this is that uh, bare front defense. You know, is he covered? Is, he, is the guards covered? Looks like it a little bit here. And they're playing a true uh, man-free concept over the top with their DBs. But for uh, Northwestern here does a great job getting push on a duo type of play and he walks in the end zone uncontested there. So, you know, I think that's one thing that Northwestern did well on Saturday. Uh, they, they had, you know, they ran the football effectively and threw the ball effectively and really Purdue didn't, you know, have much pressure on them on uh, Saturday. Here's Purdue and their running game, running in what we call a tackle wrap <laughs> tackles pulling here. As you can see, he's going to pull and, you know, lead around. You get your basic man schemes. And this is uh, the, uh, Devin, uh, this kid, uh, he's a hard runner. Uh, he runs the football with a lot of, of uh, juice. And uh, Graham Harold, again, with what he likes to do, no huddle uh, concept. Here's true misdirection. Uh, they're showing quarterback counter one way, but running speed sweep to the top and it's a really good scheme uh concept here um i don't think that the quarterback's reading i think this is purely false keys uh to get these linebackers to move just for a second they were able to and then there's uh tyrone that gets the ball in space and again he's another kid that, that can run hard and not not what i'd call a blazer in terms of speed, I don't think they they don't have that running back that has overly gifted speed once he gets through this first level. Um, but what they do have is kids that run hard and uh, can, you know, do some good things with the ball in their hands uh, once they get to the outside. One thing that you that I noticed is, you know, they're not always overly you can see him here he's not 
really great ball security way the ball is hanging and running around there. I mean, it's kind of flopping in and out of his arms. So that's something that I'm sure the defense has pointed out on film is that you get guys to step them up, stand them up. There's a possibility to get a strip in here at any point in time. But here's a situation third and I mean, second and long light box. Northwestern playing coverage, backer overruns it, and they get a big run play just because of uh, the defense there just didn't play great sound defense. Again, hard play action is another thing that I think helps in this situation, the nice little crossing route that they call here off the hard play action. Again, good protection, you know, providing some routes in space and in a lot of respects, one-on-one and uh, that helps a lot of things with the um, offensive uh, play calling is that if you can max protect and go one-on-one, you've got a chance for some big plays and big hits down the field field position. Again, big part of this game. Um, Here's a bad throw. I mean, he's throwing into basically double coverage here. He's getting over and under young kid. Uh, I believe he's a true freshman, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, he got uh, thrust into the situation Saturday through a bad pick. The other thing, again, special teams played a critical role. Here's, you know, again, muff punt, you know, looks familiar in a lot of ways. Um where they've had critical turnovers at critical points in a ball game in a 6-0 ball game and you know now 9-0 after that again Purdue running counter counter here out of a 3 by 1 set what Graham Harrell does I think really well is he'll formation you he'll utilize motion stationary whatever but he's going to run uh counter back this way um and really, they've got a pretty good angles on them as a, at the point of attack. And this tackle does a great job for Purdue. He's reading this cat right here. And if he doesn't come down and comes up field, then he'll move up. But when he sees him do that, he rides him down. So now you've got two guys to go block with one and two coming. And then a hat on a hat on the outside. This has got good play written all over it. And they got through with it and made it for the touchdown. And uh, not a great job defensively either by Northwestern. Again, a lot of different things that the that Purdue will do. Again, very similar to what we've seen at Wisconsin. They're going to bring a corner crash here. He's going to alert the quarterback. He's just going to come here, hit him in the hole, big-time play, zip it to him one-on-one in space, and, you know, uncharacteristic missed tackle there. That's the Thyman kid that gets uh, one-on-one pretty bad in space there, turns into a big touchdown for Northwestern at that point because it was a tight ball game at that moment. Again, third and seven, not an overly aggressive blitz team. I wouldn't necessarily say Purdue will give some funky looks in terms of like right here where they like to walk these guys up into these gaps to give the illusion that, you know, we're going to bring the house, you know, just an odd front, bringing their backers up, bringing a safety down in the hole. Got your true 
man to man look here. Another tip was him going in motion. They just go ahead and run third and seven and 88 out the gate, you know, just an inside zone play that they rip for, you know, 40 yard touchdown on third and seven. Um, great play call there by uh, Northwestern and great execution. Again, Graham Harold run Here's a, RPO type of look, run on some type of fold scheme here and potential to throw it out here to the right. You know, he's running the sit quick, quick screen, decide to give. And there he goes again, light box. Um, Northwestern's really not in a place to pick it, uh, defend this all too well. And uh, they split them here on a, it's an inside zone concept. They're just folding that guard around to get better angles. And they did. And this is what I mean. More of a long strider, not a lot of great speed there by Tracy and was able to walk him down in open space. And, but that didn't matter. Uh, Purdue gets the ball in a couple plays later. Here's another, again, a lot of what Graham Harold likes to do is misdirectional type of things. And here's another one where they're going to pull these guys and all they're trying to do is get these guys to bite for one or two seconds, even this guy. And then you got a hat on a hat and they're running just basically a talk sweep. There it is. And he walks in the end zone, makes a nice run, makes it nice and, um, Close there, but you know, again, Northwestern was able to prevail in the end in that ball game on on Saturday at Northwestern. And again, what Indiana's got to be ready for from a Graham Howard offense is again uh, some tempo stuff, um, misdirectional stuff um, in that regard. Um, if they got the you know they got the big guy back on Saturday, not injured. You know, he had so much threat in the, and not only in the run, uh, the th- throw game, but in the pass game or the run game as well, as his mobility is not too bad. And he can do some things on the perimeter, uh, throwing it and also running it. Um, so it gives Purdue a lot more flexibility offensively, uh, with their, their stud back at quarterback. But if he's not back, um, you can, pretty much assure that they're going to try to run the football uh, with those two cats and, and really try to um, shorten the game as much as possible uh, Saturday in that regard. Now, offense for offensively for IU, based upon where IU is now versus Purdue's defense, um, I do believe that IU can run the football, have success with it, and then in the passing game as well. Again, I do believe, you know, Carter, uh, Williams, McCauley, all those guys in the passing game uh, have the opportunity uh, to make some big plays in space. If Soresby can get good protection and make the right decisions with the football, I do believe they can throw the ball uh, with high efficiency on Saturday. But it's still going to come down to protection. You know, that's going to be the number one, you know, thing that, you know, is going to come into play for IU is the protection part of it. Now, running the football, you know, I think they got to continue what they did against Michigan State. You've got Holland and 
Henderson back there. You mix in, mix in Lucas, and you got Sorsby as well as a possibility in that run game. And uh, so I do think IU is capable for a big game offensively again um, if they can do some things in the passing game to complement the run game and uh, like to see some play action, throw it over the top type of concepts, especially with the efficiency of the run game over the last couple weeks in that regard. I wanted to touch base back here again, as we look at some of the things that I think are important offensively. um, I do think that I, you, you know, in this regard, there's opportunity here to throw for a lot and rush for a lot and um, have a big day offensively. I think if they can get to that 30 point margin, which is about what Purdue's given up, I think that's, you know, a very achievable goal. Of course, no turnovers. And then I use defense holding uh, to Purdue around their averages with the exception of, you know, holding that 21 point mark and then hopefully creating at least two turnovers uh, on Saturday um, are all key things that I think um, are very obtainable, reasonable objectives for IU heading into this game on Saturday against Purdue. And then, of course, the kicking game has got to continue to be on the positive side of the coin, providing uh, field position and creating field position uh, for offense and defense. And when the opportunity for field goals arise for Freeman, he's got to knock them through and uh, give IU the best possibility of having a chance to win on Saturday. Special teams is going to have to be a big part of that uh, uh, Saturday afternoon in West Lafayette. couple things here. We will be back next Monday to give a recap of the bucket game, as well as look at some things that we're going to be doing here as we progress into the other season that's well upon us. And that's going to be the transfer portal as well as recruiting. It's a dead period for, Oh, I think four days after the, up to the ball game, no recruiting, no nothing. And then the, the portal kind of opens up and that's when you start, knowing who's coming, who's going. I know Tom Allen had mentioned that he does have a pretty good handle or idea of what to expect uh, coming up after this game on on Saturday afternoon um, as it pertains to what may or may not happen as it pertains to the portal goes. That's all going to be kind of play, played out over that period of time. We also will dive into some discussions about the NIL and how this may or may not impact, you know, IU moving forward as well as the collectives, one being the Hoosier Connect that raised over a million dollars for IU athletics, I believe a couple of weeks ago. And um, how that now is such a vital importance in the game of college athletics and specifically football moving forward for teams like IU. Um, the way they get better is to attract uh, talented kids and 
find ways with NIL money to not only get them here, but keep them here. And that's the key component of this new landscape of college athletics, but college football in general, because you head into a totally different look in a year. Uh, as it pertains to the Big Ten, when you have the influx of the Pac-12 teams that are coming into the equation, no more divisions, you know, and uh, it's all going to have a different look a, a year from now. But it all starts in earnest, you know, next, you know, coming Sunday, heading into next week when they start, re- you know, getting into the thralls of not only the portal, but recruiting and things of that magnitude and how that all goes. But got some things and ideas there as far as what we would like to do in that respect. And again, just like to thank Bet Online for their sponsorship of the Hoosier Football Tailgate. Really appreciate their generosity throughout the season of being a sponsor of us here on the Believe Network. As we progress into the ending of tonight and tomorrow's big game, the bucket game in West Lafayette, noon kickoff, Big Ten Network. Of course, if you can't find it uh, as it pertains to being able to watch it, remember, you can find Don Fisher on a number of different affiliated stations throughout the state of Indiana, as well as Sirius XM. Don't forget that the the voice of the Indiana Hoosier, Don Fisher, will have the call. Rhett Lewis will his color man, and they do always a great job on Saturday afternoons. I want to thank you again for joining me here tonight on the Hoosier Football Tailgate. I'm the coach, Shannon Griffith. We'll set you next week right here on Believe.